Hello, everybody, and welcome to Artist Corner. Today, I'm joined by Kevin McLeod. Is that how you say your name? I'm sorry if I. <laughs> Kevin McLeod. It's uh, easier than you think. I'm so, I always forget. I need to, from now on, I need to ask whoever I'm interviewing how to say their names. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really sorry about that. But... No, it's, it is very common. <laughs> he is a musician, composer. You've heard his music somewhere out there in the world. And yeah, would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, um, my name is Kevin McLeod. I've been making music for the internets for, I don't know, 20 years or something like that, possibly longer. And um, yeah, it's gotten quite popular. Yeah, I think I was reading over your Wikipedia a bit. It said you have around over 2,000 songs written. Is that right? Sometimes it yeah, gets yeah. it's close. It's close to that on various places, and um, yeah. But that's about how many is are published. Wow, yeah, that's really that's a lot. Do you? So, when you started, have you always self published your music, or is that something that's changed over the yeah. years? Uh, when I started, there was no one that was publishing music online. I mean, this is back in uh, oh, 1990s. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we didn't get things like DistroKid until much, much later. Um, yeah, so that's that I started it with my own stuff, but I still kind of do it. So, do you think that it's better to self publish or does it depend on? the person in their situation it, oh oh wow uh <laughs> it's almost impossible to uh i mean you can oh boy <laughs> they, there's so many easier ways to do it now that it would almost be just a terrible idea to try and create your own website and understand like the laws regarding that and how to how to get money from somebody in Poland or like it is nah, I would just use one of the use one of the sites out there. <laughs> I've been using District Kid forever. They seem to be pretty good. I use that too, actually. Yeah. Yeah. They also have their own mastering tool that I've I've used for one of my songs. <laughs> and it works pretty well, I think. I don't know. What are your thoughts on tools like that when it comes to mastering or mixing um there was a there's a pretty decent uh tool out there that was written in oh python that uh where you give it a target that you want it to master to like you know i want to make it sound like this song and then you just feed it in your uh your original song it does a pretty good job doing that um Right now, uh, there's like there's been some good mastering tools available in Logic for a while, and they they just released like an auto master uh, feature in the last year, and I just use that. It's it's real good. <laughs> <laughs> I've been even going back with some of my older things and like, okay, let's just fix this up here. It's it's dead easy, and um, yeah, it's just a fantastic resource. That's in Logic, right? Yeah. 
Hmm. Are do you know if there's any anything similar to that outside of logic? You know, I've been in logic so long, I don't I don't even know how else <laughs> people do things. Like I know like you know, some Cubase composers and I'm like, wow, just sounds like you guys are just spending a lot of money on plugins in order to get the things that I get for free. So yeah, I don't know. There's yeah. probably stuff out there. Uh, there's a bunch of AI mastering stuff, which is pretty decent now. Um, so yeah, it just you know makes things a little sparklier, a little beefier, and that's what people like these days. So that's what we give them. <laughs> yeah, actually, I use FL Studio, so mm -hmm. I don't know how you feel about that, but I mean, tools is tools. Yeah, yeah, I think there's so much conversation about which DAW is better. And I, I don't like it because I think it, you can use any program and do something amazing with it. It doesn't matter. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, some things are built to do things better than other things, you know. Um, but yeah, if you're able to like you know, remap your keyboard shortcut, you can you can build pretty much anything to do pretty much anything. So and so I just go with logic because it's super cheap. So many built-in features and you just don't have to worry about it. You know, it's got backward compatibility for you know 20 years worth of project files and interoperates pretty well with Final Cut. And but you know if you're not using Final Cut, maybe you need a different thing if you're doing big, big projects. So, yeah, no, tools is tools. Yeah. The only thing yeah. about the only inconvenient thing about Logic is that you have to be on a Mac to use it. <laughs> <laughs> you do have to be on a Mac. <laughs> yeah. It is a great tool. Yeah. Yeah. So, you recently released a guide called the the smart ass guide to art which recently that was in the 90s i was in the 90s oh i'm that sorry was in the 90s wow. <laughs> I, I was going over your website that I had on the sidebar it had a bunch of articles so i thought i guess oh, okay, i thought yeah. i thought for some reason that was recent <laughs> sorry yeah, yeah no that wasn't recent but no worries but, yeah for the listeners who don't know it's a compilation of artists you found interesting important or freaky in it, you explained how it could be pretentious and asked, why can't it be academic and entertaining? What has your experience been with people who are pretentious about it? And what's something those artists could do to be less of that? Yeah, so, uh, yeah, uh, a, long time ago, uh, a long time ago in an internet far away, it was very hard to get interesting uh, articles uh, that you know, we're sort of like infotainment um, sort of stuff. So you could learn about something and like, they'll be happy, you know, it's it's interesting the whole way down. Um, but uh, yeah, we have YouTube now and that's <laughs> the days of the, the days of the essay are kind of gone. Uh, I do write a little bit in my uh, descriptions for my pieces of music um hopefully those are occasionally entertaining but also get across what the what the piece of music is and what it does 
because when you're when you're looking for a piece of music to put in your video, you can get overwhelmed very quickly by you know listening to ten things, mm. twenty things, and it's like that <laughs> that needs to get cut down quickly. Um, and so I've been using using the descriptions to to, to help with that hopefully in an entertaining manner. Yeah, I think a lot of the stuff I've seen from you can be entertaining in a lot of ways. Yeah. I mean, I actually, I was listening to some of your catalog and I saw you had a song that was called Farting Around. And <laughs> I thought it was so funny how it, it was it was right above, on Spotify, it was right above another song you made called Wholesome. So okay. I just, it, yeah, the the contrast was hilarious to me. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh man, where did I go? I got a yeah, I got a fart virtual instrument some time ago, and I'm like, this is this is just the best. <laughs> I actually, I I think I've made a song with fart sounds too. Yeah. Uh, it's never not funny. <laughs> I know, right? I don't know why you wouldn't do it. Uh, I mean, yeah, like with like the really cool pieces of art, uh, really cool pieces of music or whatever, you can kind of tell if someone like cried or laughed <laughs> whilst making it. And that yeah. is definitely, that was definitely, I was just laughing <laughs> for hours <laughs> whilst like just getting the correct sound in the correct place and just like oh no we need to, no 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 this is needs to be more yeah this one needs to be a little wetter and longer and then we'll do a dry poop after this and you know it's not <laughs> yeah i i recently started community college for audio engineering if, yeah. if for some reason i ever have a an assignment where i have to analyze a piece of music i'll definitely be using that one <laughs> what was the artist going for here with the fart poopy joke <laughs> sounds yeah nothing it's funny when was the first time you ever heard a piece of your music out in the world what was that experience like you know i don't remember um where would i have heard stuff i mean you know, going back, I, I heard stuff on like, you know, radio ads, television ads. Uh, that was, that was, that was, that was cool and surprising. Um, like, huh, oh, that, you know, that actually works, you know, for your, oh, I don't know, some sort of Toyota dealership. I think Coca-Cola used one of my pieces way back in the day. Um, um, yeah, that's But that's not, I didn't really write it for that. I, like I wrote it, wrote most things to go along with, uh, you know, videos or mm. video games or movies. And, you know, they just live in those environments. So, I mean, I, I come across it on YouTube, I think every day, you know, um, Sometimes I'll wake up and it's like, oh man, 8.30. Okay, there's the first one. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
I'm never sad about it. That's always pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of people, I guess, who don't get to experience that as composers. So it's it's always cool when that happens to you. Yeah. Would you mind explaining how you programmed a text to Morse to MIDI? Is making something <laughs> like that a difficult process? <laughs> not with the not with the magical help of Chat GPT, it isn't. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I mean, I have a programming background from uh, from way back in the day, and I used to do everything in Perl, and now I'm doing everything in Python. And yeah, I just I needed that for uh, like sound design on a like a video game type project that I'm working on. It's like one of the characters sort of talked in Morse code and I just wanted to have it like something quick that I could type in what I want them to say and then just drag it into logic and it's done. Um, no, I think that took me less than an hour. Oh, wow. Uh, I, um, I I have no experience with programming, so I, it's always fascinating hmm. for me to hear other composers use it for music. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I've built little tools like uh, like a music visualizer. I have a site called uh, danger.academy. It's got just a bunch of like little things that are just personal projects, you know, a little tap tempo things so you can, you know, figure out how fast a piece of music is very quickly, you know, um, GPT can write that in one shot right now, which is <laughs> pretty pretty cool. Um, yeah, no, there's um, definitely use programming, <laughs> um, and you can even program from inside Logic. Uh, there's a JavaScript engine that you can use to capture MIDI events and alter them in literally whatever way you want. And that that makes automating some things uh, a lot easier. It's like if we're if we're doing like you know chordal arpeggiations across bassoons and clarinets or something, and then hmm. we're, we're going to do a lot of it. It's like, is it faster to code or is it faster to play it in? <laughs> well, <laughs> I bet it can be a mix of both sometimes it, too. Yeah, it's it's almost always faster to play it in but <laughs> but sometimes you can discover things uh that you weren't necessarily looking for it's all a process yep yep can be can be speaking of ai do you have any kind of advice to write better prompts for it um to do what like what are we talking about <laughs> you know yeah, I guess right it would now, be. I guess. Um, oh, sorry. No, maybe. Go ahead. Maybe an idea could be to write a a program for something music related. Oh, yeah. Um, writing a program to do things music related. Um, so recently I've been using using them for kind of idea generation and also I ask it how to use the synthesizers. It's like so I have a thing where it's like okay I want this giant magical airship sound 
Uh, and it's like, okay, here's how to use, you know, the ESQ synthesizer, set this to this, set this to this, route this to here, route this to there. And well, it was right. It was good. <laughs> like it, it made that sound, you know, it's like, you know, drift the thing down with a Doppler, like, all right. <laughs> um, so it's not real good at outputting actual sound yet. Hmm. Um, but helping you use the tools, it's very good at right now. And do you have to pay for the the one, the chat GPT that lets you do audio and stuff? Because I think... Uh, G GPT, uh, don't think they have an audio model now. Oh. Stable Diffusion is the one that I use uh, for generation. And then there's another one called Lalal, Lalal, <laughs> uh, which you can use. You put a piece of music in it, and you can tear uh, tear something out of it. So, like, if I'm learning bass for a song, I can just load the song in there, say, "Give me just the bass line," and now I can hear all the notes that the bass is doing. And also, I have a really good backing track to practice to, which is just the actual song, but without the bass without the baseline in it yeah so, um yeah that's cool i guess for some reason i thought because there's chat gpt4 that you do have to pay for but yeah i had no idea if if it had audio or not not currently not currently um let's see uh meta did some some good work with uh text to audio a couple of years ago but i don't I think they've released that model. Um, OpenAI has uh, stability, and so I use them for. I was using them yesterday for uh, uh, sound design on a video game, uh, which we needed. Like uh, it's like a helicopter that's like hold like with the chainsaw, and then it's like trying to like um, what do you uh, like cut uh, trees away from power lines oh so the, um but it's like super wonky and, and so just like all right we need a lot of just people screaming in terror <laughs> and like before that you had to go to well you could buy sound you know sound libraries or i used uh there was a sort of a public domain sound archive called free sound Three sounds. I mean, yeah. Yeah. That sounds yeah. like it. And now it's like, no, I just type them in. Just type them in. <laughs> and yeah. Uh, yeah. It's so cool to me how how convenient it is now. And it's, I think there's a lot of conversation too about AI and how, whether or not we should be worried about it or if we should be more open minded about it. What do you think? <laughs> Well, I'm not worried about it. Um, it. Is it going to do what I do better than me? Absolutely, yes. <laughs> uh, does it do it yet? No, no. Maybe this year. Hopefully this year. Hopefully we can have it like look at uh, look at a video game and have it score it in real time, or look at a movie and score that in real time um because you know composing isn't a isn't a black art there there are rules and it will know them 
So it's just a matter of time before that that all happens. Speaking of rules, um, oh, sorry. Yeah. I was going to say, speaking of rules, do you have any exercises that you do to break them? <laughs> um, I don't like to break a lot of rules. Oh. You know, if you need to make a... If you need to make a video game that sounded was like it was from, you know, 1992, just just follow those rules. If you're trying to make a piece of music that is the, you know, Vietnamese folk music, you follow those rules. Um, your own personality will break it enough. Hmm. Um, and yeah, now I used to do a lot more experimentation. Um, when I was younger and I got some cool stuff out of it, but it, the success rate is very, very low. Mm. <laughs> you follow the rules, you'll get a better product. Um, I mean, sometimes the rules are weird, you know, yeah. there's some uh, Australian Aboriginal music that I was listening to that's in five, four-ish time, like that's sort of a rule break, but it's, in the genre or in the field of whatever i don't know what music is that's fine. <laughs> i don't think anyone <laughs> i don't think anyone does to be honest <laughs> what's your learning process like by the way when you go and research a new genre is Man. it is it often a more tedious process or it's like um like two Wikipedia pages and about <laughs> 50 YouTube tabs. Yeah. <laughs> That's it's like, okay, what, what are we supposed to do? And then how does that actually sound? So I don't, I don't know how anyone else does it. I assume everyone does it the same way, but maybe not. I think my process is pretty similar. A lot of YouTube, a, a lot. lot of YouTube videos. <laughs> When making a horror ambiance, generally speaking, you use a lot of space. What are some techniques you use to create a sense of space? Oh boy, horror. <laughs> um, horror is, is very hard for me to write because like you're working on a piece for six, eight hours and it's a piece that is designed to like rub your brain raw and really get it into a unhappy place, which means that you, you have to have that feeling the entire day. And like, oh man, yeah, I kind of <laughs> stopped doing those. Uh, they're, um, yeah, it's just, like, oh, did this make me feel weird or bad? And like, let's do more of it, more, <laughs> more, more. And you always do, because you have to go so far beyond when you're running music to have the audience have like a sliver of that feeling when it finally gets to them. And oof, yeah, horror. There are some people who could just do it. They're fine with it. Um, I'm, I'm not one of those. How do you create space in there? Um, 
the un the unknown are you talking about like space as like uh in like time yeah or... time and a physical realm and i yeah. guess with reverb and stuff like that yeah yeah i i mean that's just one of those things kind of like a like felt taste sort of mm. thing it's like is it doing its job great let's do it more you know is this, is this not doing its job do we you know speed it up slow it down which one works better you just constantly like fiddling with those dials trying to trying to up the horribleness <laughs> yeah I bet, I bet when you're composing something horror related to you probably have to also engage in some of that content over time to research about it oh yeah and well, I, bet, <laughs> uh, I guess depending on what you're doing yeah if you got a movie you're just looking at that scene over and over and over again um if you're doing a like a video game well usually when i do video games i'll get uh make a like a, a game gameplay loop so that i can have something uh that i'm looking at in the in the daw so yeah now you you got it oh well and it's kind of nice because like after you've seen like the horrible scene for the 40th time like okay yeah okay I, no surprises here <laughs> i'm okay I know the actor is fine. So. Well, I bet you get desensitized pretty quick if you're if you're always working in that. <laughs> I, I can't imagine. Uh, yeah, not uh, people do ask me to write more horror, and I'm like, I, I would rather not. I would just rather not. I'd rather have a happy day <laughs> rather than put myself through that ringer because I'm not like my horror stuff is popular, but I'm not sure it's any good. But I, I really like it. I, I was listening okay. to, I was listening to your SCP Triple X album. <laughs> okay, yeah. And I actually really liked it. I think I really liked the the sound selection in it. And mm. I think some some songs there's like this interesting boat bowed sound I think I heard. Maybe. Mm. Mm. Okay. And I thought Could be. <laughs> I, I don't know i just I, I like the sound selection that's all all right yeah so, uh, do, um sorry i might have to cut this part out i'm a little yeah my ooh. yeah the scp stuff i think that was the most recent stuff that i did but that's not it's not all horror the scp's got some light things in it as well i mean are you a fan of the SCP in general, or do you know it? I know a little is? bit about it. Yeah, I've I've played yeah. games of it before. Yeah, I, I was really excited about the uh, sort of like open collaborative storytelling world that's not really owned by anyone, and then it turns out parts of it are owned by people, and I'm like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, Also, I apologize if, if for some reason I'm blanking out a little bit just because it's so early for me. Yeah, yeah. No, no worries. <laughs> yeah. Is there anything in particular you want to talk about? 
Um, man, we talked about the AI. I mean, I'm just waiting for that to just get better. I'm, uh, you know, in video games and music and in everything, and it's already pretty cool. Yeah. So, yeah. At the end of the day, uh, this won't be a job. You know, people will do it because they like it, because it's fun, because it's exciting. You know, kind of like, uh, you know, backyard gardeners uh, do not put out as much food as commercial farmers do. But they still have a great time doing it. So um, I'm looking forward to that phase of the world. Yeah, I think I like your view on it. I think it's a lot. It's a lot healthier to to also be open minded about something instead of thinking it's going to ruin your life. <laughs> oh, it's going to change some stuff in the world Don't for sure, for sure. But uh, yeah, as long as long as you're you know quick to change and um, you know when when a new tool comes out, you know try it. Um, I know I get a little bit of shit for my like thumbnails and album art uh because that uses ai now but oh my god is it so much better than my <laughs> other album art it's just so much better <laughs> like i think i've actually and, used used ai for and, album art once and yeah you're right it, it can be a lot better than what you actually made <laughs> if you don't have absolutely if you don't have that kind of background right but at the end of the day i guess it depends on your situ your situation and kind of what you're going for i guess yeah it's probably different. i mean if yeah if you're a graphic designer and a composer do it or if you <laughs> know a graphic designer and they want to help out let them they're pretty good um at least for a little while they will be <laughs> <laughs> like most of the most of the design people i know absolutely use uh mid journey and dolly for for mock-ups and uh, you know photoshop's got the generative fill in there and that's just a tool um i think steam uh had a thing where it's like oh we don't want ai generated stuff in our games on the store mm. And then everyone's like, well, that's what we're using because <laughs> it's faster, better, cheaper. So, uh, they, and also it's just it's been built into everything now and it's going to be built into more things. And so like, oh, is it AI? Is it not? Yeah, it's just by the end, by the end of next year, it's not even going to be a thing. Um, but yeah, everyone's scared. And yeah. uh, that's scary. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah there's two sides of a coin in that way um, can i think for know, a second and, uh, oh sorry yeah, yeah. you can sorry Do you it. can continue no i got yeah we're good i'll uh, grab a water i'm so sorry i i apologize i'm not if asking I'm, you enough questions either. if i'm interrupting yeah. it's your show you can interrupt as much as you like Oh, I feel so bad right now. 
I don't. You shouldn't. <laughs> no. You shouldn't feel bad on my behalf. Can you tell when when you listen to music if if it's AI generated? <laughs> there's a few ways there's a few ways they do it now um there's like there's a lot of subscription services out there which basically have just prepackaged loops that are stuck together and then outputted and uh, you can't tell with those because those loops were made by human composers and then they just get stuck together um yeah a, a few years ago i did um oh I, I forget the name of the piece but it had a uh a saxophone uh in it and i don't know if you've ever tried to make saxophone music on a computer <laughs> but it sucks yeah like even the best models can do like one thing but they can't do the entirety of a saxophone and so i, I used uh google's magenta tone transfer on that and gosh i mean i can tell that it's not a saxophone only because it hits notes that a saxophone can't actually hit. <laughs> like it goes like two notes below the tenor sax range and like, oh, but it's, it sounds right in the, if the saxophone could do that. I mean, it could have been a custom saxophone, but um, yeah, there's gonna be no way to tell in, in the futures. Mm. Um, and, you know, we've had synthetic instruments for, damn near 20 years that are really hard to tell um the percussion instruments for the first ones that got really good um stringed instruments came a little later you know the things that have breath control and stuff like that and some of them like saxophone just still like ah i bet uh, it gets even worse with more obscure in instruments <laughs> because yeah if you need a shamala or something i don't even know what that is i was gonna ask you what that is but <laughs> yeah some probably something medieval that actually brings me to to one of my questions i wanted to ask what's the weirdest instrument you've ever made music with which instruments i've ever made music with like uh like in real life yeah <laughs> um or or virtual yeah i mean this thing's pretty weird <laughs> i have one uh, of those yeah oh man i <laughs> i think uh, it i think Zoom really couldn't... well oh yeah probably but chance <laughs> i heard i heard a tiny bit of it yeah 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 the, I love, uh, I love the noise cancellation is aggressive on these apps so it's helpful in some cases though yeah yeah i mean when you're getting into like very weird genres you get very weird instruments 
So I think weird is fun though. Yeah, I mean, especially if it's things that like sound pretty cool, but like people are just don't know them, and like everything is sort of a blend of everything else. It's very few new instruments since the synthesizer. So, have you have you played the kalimba at all recently? <laughs> oh, I have a kalimba. Um, I have one. I don't know if you I, can see it. I have one sitting right there. Oh yeah, um, yeah. And then I detuned it, and then um, for a particular piece, and then I haven't bothered to retune it. Half of that little things. Uh, you know, kalimbas are really cool. Um, they're portable. Um, you can stick them in your backpack. You'll be fine. Um, I also like the ocarina. And um, oh my god, where's where's my pan flutes? My pan flutes around here somewhere. They're pretty doing cheap. A lot of, uh, doing a lot of three D printing. Um, hmm. Hello, pan flutes. Three D printing is another interesting topic on its own. Yeah. Um. So here's a nice little three D printed thing. Oh, wow. uh, which you can get at uh, janecasts.com. And these come in, uh, I don't know, like 20 different sizes to be in tune depending on what the temperature is. <laughs> wow. Because temperature affects tuning. And, uh, you know, if it's, you know, five degrees colder, 10 degrees colder, uh, they're going to be way off. So you have to print out another one. Oh no! Or ten degrees colder, and another one for your five degrees warmer, or whatever. Can I ask what so, what kind of material the three D printer uses? Yeah, I think this is just a PLA plastic. Hmm. Um. Yeah. And um, can you play that yet? Or oh, I can't hear. Can it, you hear so. it? <laughs> Dang, zoom. Zoom. Dang, zoom. No, it, it it actually is absolutely pure and absolutely in tune and loud and <laughs> it's really great. I made this uh for uh people who sing the role of Papageno in Mozart's Magic Flute. Wait, is that um is that a movie or it is an opera? Oh. from the way back times mozart yeah yeah and um a lot a lot of times like the people who sing the role cannot get ones that are in tune because they're typically handmade and they only work at one temperature <laughs> whereas you've got to match the orchestra because you're not you're not going to be you know if the marimba is too flat you're not going to be sitting there with a planer like you that's what you have to that's what you have to hit a440 or a438 or a415 what whatever the thing is so they can't get them so they usually like just sort of like get a mock-up and then have the the flute or the piccolo in the orchestra cover it I'm like well that's can be made better right <laughs> so it was about a year of development into this thing <laughs> 
I had no idea. No, that... just just boxes of failures. <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea the temperature can affect tuning. That's yeah, yeah. Um, on fluty sort of things, absolutely. Huh. Um, on your, you know, it's a yeah. It's about the density of the the air, and um, so if you've ever heard. Um, I don't know, like they, they have like those like sort of like fairground machines back, I don't know, a hundred years ago. And they've, uh, it's like got a, like a pipe organ sort of in there. And it's also got like for drums and mallet instruments and stuff. And during the day, they sound great. And at night, these things go, the, 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 uh, the air instruments goes flat but the metal instrument stays the same. So Wait. that's where you get that sort of weird carnival out of tunedness. Sorry, could you, you know, repeat, like the... could you repeat oh, that yeah. again? Sorry, I'm, <laughs> it's a little confusing to me. Uh, right, so they, they have these um, like player instruments at yeah. carnivals, you know, in the 1920s, probably back into the 1800s. And they they will sound great during the daytime. Yeah. And then at night, when the temperatures drop, the the uh, what is it like the, the air column instruments, like the pipe organ sort of parts, like get way out of tune compared to like yeah. the the Glockenspiel parts. And that's why when you like you see like a movie and they have that thing and it's nighttime and it just sounds off and wrong. That's because half the instrument is detuned because of temperature. Mm. Those so, can only work at exactly one temperature. <laughs> so does, does it get worse because it's colder at night or because it's warmer? Uh, either way, they oh. work at one temperature. <laughs> oh, oh, I get it. If yeah. it gets if it gets too hard, this one's flat. If it gets too cold, that one's flat. Oh, so it depends on each each individual, I guess, set of instruments. Right, right. the the air The air instruments uh, will change with temperature, whereas the stringed instruments will not, or the metallophones hmm. or whatever. Yeah, your marimbas and your vibraphones and your glockenspiels and that stuff. Wow. Yeah, it's cool stuff. Yeah, <laughs> really helpful to know too. I don't know where else where else I would have learned about that. I I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so, EQ is something that really confuses me as a composer. <laughs> yeah, and I don't know why, but for some reason I just can't understand it. I was okay. wondering if you had any advice on how to understand it more and what to listen for when using it. Um, so mostly what I'm doing EQing is to clarify something in the mix. Um, hopefully I don't have to use it much at all. Um, like if you're doing an orchestral thing and it's starting to get muddy, we just wrote those parts wrong. Mm. 
<laughs> so yeah. it's like, all right, take take those take those notes out of that octave, move them up, or give them to a different instrument or something like that. Uh, I don't do extensive work with that beyond you know, well, here's an instrument, and I really don't need the bass portion of it. You just take the bass down by you know ridiculous amounts of dB. Or I've got something and I want it to be a little shinier. Just take the high shelf just up. Um, the other thing that I do is uh, find out whatever is at 200 hertz and just, just turn it down. <laughs> whatever is at 200 hertz. It just seems to be like the mud hole, you know? And if you're getting something muddy, it's like, okay, well, okay, I can turn it down in this instrument and this instrument, and then, you know, only have one instrument sitting in that 200 hertz range. Um, there are some instruments that just have like peaks um, in certain ranges and like, you can look for those peaks and tamp them down or accentuate them. Maybe I don't understand the question. <laughs> so um, yeah. do you think it's better to keep EQ simple instead? I I don't do a lot of work with them, right? Um the, <laughs> but well, yeah. Like it, it is, it is the tool of last resort. Um, if I can make it sound better by putting the right notes there in the first place, that's the first. That's the first step. Hmm. Uh, if you just have something that just sounds like that, and now okay, now you got to go in and like carve out little bits, and I'm sure there's some like auto EQ stuff out there, and. Um, I remember ugh, <laughs> the um, multi-band compressors. Those are cool and tricky. Yeah. <laughs> and I've gotten pretty okay at using them. Um, but yeah, try to do it with try to do it with notes before anything else. So. Yeah. Well, thanks for explaining that to me. It's for some reason, sometimes I get confused by even even the basics of producing. And then yeah. even even if I've been producing for three years at this point, I'll learn something new about about that. And I'll go, dang, why didn't I learn that sooner? That's <laughs> <laughs> so really helpful. Well, pretty sure you can't learn everything all at once. So, yeah. It's it's a process. Yeah. Does it sound good? That's all you need to care about. <laughs> Some people, like I've got friends who are withered with that stuff. And I'm like, hmm, <laughs> good. I'm not. <laughs> Speaking of multiband compressors, by the way, have you heard of what OTT is? You know that plugin? No. Oh. I, it might be a multi-band compressor. I'm actually not sure, but it's, it's still a what great. What does it do? It's it works like a compressor. Basically, it gives you three signals. I might explain this hor horribly, by the way. But <laughs> this is how I view it. It's, it gives you three signals. It gives you the low, the middle, and the high. 
And I I think you can there's different knobs and I think with the knobs you can change I'm not sure if it's the transient of each frequency. I think you you kind of just change each individual frequency somehow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, it works like a compressor, but you can change each Yeah, where because back in the day to do that, you would have to like separate your audio into three different channels and then run it through three different physical compressors <laughs> and then pile, pile them all back in at the end. Um, yeah, it does, it, does a, it does a lot of good to like keep the, keep the bass from pumping the highs or alternately really make that happen. Um, yeah, the multi-brand compressor, you can do some really cool stuff with that. Oh, that's a whole topic. Yeah, that. <laughs> that is a whole. That is hours. <laughs> that is hours. Oh, you know, using two band, four band. Uh, where do you set the breakpoints? I mean, it all depends on the piece of music and <laughs> how the things are going together. Oh boy. Um, but uh, yeah, honestly, I just use the mastering stuff now, and I haven't really. Uh, done a lot of work with the the multi band compressors in in a couple of years. So. But, awesome, yeah, good times, good times. Yeah, I think <laughs> it's always so interesting to learn about the different tools that other people use, and it's yeah. always interesting to talk about tools, especially especially when you use these tools all the time in your in your process, and you don't really talk about it to anyone. Because it's one of those things that you have to have friends and that people that you can talk to about music stuff like that and just nerd out about. Yeah. So yeah, thank you for talking to me about EQ and compression. <laughs> EQ and compression. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, if it's okay with you, I think that's a good time to end the episode. Sounds great. Thank you so much again for joining me, Kevin. I I really appreciate you taking the time and doing an interview. Yeah, thanks. So, thanks for inviting me on. I had a really good time today. Yeah, I learned a lot, and I'll definitely be thinking about everything we talked about. So, yeah, <laughs> All right. I upload every Friday. You can listen to the podcast on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcast, and that's about it. I'll see you guys next Friday. Bye.